previously on the Simply Human podcast. Well, you, you bring up two really key issues, and one is the use of antibiotics in children. And then the other part is, is the fermented foods, which um, definitely fermented foods are, are a great method for gaining exposure to these healthy bacteria because, of course, there are lots of bacteria contained in fermented foods with these lab cultures, as you mentioned. It's episode 95 of the Simply Human podcast with your hosts, Mark and Rick. Two human beings being human. Our goal is to help you understand how humans are designed to eat, sleep, move, and enjoy, and how you can start living more like a human today. On today's show, the two-year anniversary show, it is the great Jason Seib. Then it's another moderately funny edition of the Humans Being Human segment with a story about a freezer. And we'll wrap up with our Simply Human Tip of the Week. How are you, Rick? That has to be the most random like tease for the Humans Being Human story, a, a story freezer. about a freezer. Yeah. You know who's going to be into this story, by the way, is uh, Lonnie. Yes. Lonnie Beecham, who's a listener of the show, because he does like... He's an outdoorsman. Uh, well, it's not so much that. He does like cleaning and like restoration, oh. like fire damage, water damage, stuff like that. And I'm thinking he's of Joe always Russo. like telling stories on Facebook about how he's like crawling underneath the house and pulling out like a, 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 like a string of dead possums and just gross, <laughs> disgusting stuff like that. Lonnie, if you're listening, and I know you do, that you'll enjoy this story. It's really, really gross. And we need to have you on soon to tell another one of those. Yeah, we do. Possum, got a million stories. Po- we need dead to, possum Lonnie, stories. I, I feel like I'm I'm talking into a one way mirror here, but Lonnie, you're hearing this. Uh, I need to get with you. We need to get you back on for humans being human. So you heard it here first. Rick needs to get with Lonnie. Okay. Um, mm, call me. Had a had a conversation uh, with a friend who has no kids. Me. Yes, yesterday. About dogs. How old is this friend? Oh, 26. Okay. 27. Okay. I'm just curious. Single. Like that, that makes a difference, possibly. Has a, ha, no, I think he like, maybe, maybe he has a girlfriend. Anyway, they have this, they have a dog. And he was asking me about pet insurance for a dog. What are your I have thoughts? Very strong opinions about this. And I'm going, I'm about You're gonna to make everyone mad. everybody that listens to the show. Okay, go. I, I'll start this off by saying I love animals. I love pets. Uh, I've always grown up with a dog. I'm also – I don't mind cats. When I got married with my – you know, when I moved in with my now wife, we you know, became cat people. She had cats. I have nothing against animals. We've also had a, uh, a hamster. We've had all kinds of animals. Hamster, huh? <sighs> just, just I say feel it. very strongly that if – and I have – like my dog Yoda, I'm very, very attached to. I love him very much. He loves me. I am definitely his favorite person. <laughs> if something <sighs> happened tomorrow and I took Yoda to the vet and they're like, uh, yeah, that'll be uh, – well, he needs this this surgery and it's $2,000, I'd be like, well, it was a good run, Yoda. <laughs> what? Like uh, I feel very strongly that – a dog is a dog. A person's a person. Where, now, if one of my kids needed two thousand dollars surgery, that's obviously you know okay. Well, well needs a needs a hundred thousand dollars surgery. You know, I'm you gonna need do whatever. A, well, but there seems to be people who will go so next level for their dogs. Like my wife and I have a friend, a mutual friend who uh, is very much well, into speaking her dogs, of dogs. Yeah, doesn't have uh, you know, is not married, not you know, and anything like that. She, her dogs are her passion. And uh, hey, did you say the S word just then? No. Oh, so I, I I was listening. My dogs are barking, and I was kind of my ears were in two different places. I was no, just wanting I, to go no, through I and bleep. Passion. Okay. I, I said that her dogs are her passion, okay. and uh, they, she has pugs, and they have eye problems apparently, and she pays all this money all the time for these dog eye surgeries, and I'm like, 
Now I'm going to use the S word. Holy <laughs> What are you doing? <laughs> like, uh, you're just, like, that's crazy. It's, uh, like, that does not, so yeah, the thought of pet insurance has never even crossed my mind. I feel like my dollar threshold to spend on, like, an animal with a health problem. Uh, yeah, this is what I was going to ask you. Where is your, I feel where? like it's, I feel like that's going to be. Like $18? 500, $500. Oh, 500 If it's more than 500 then that's probably an unequivocal no. If it's 500 I might think about it depending on all what the What if factors. it's $490? Uh, see, we're going to think about a lot of factors here. Right. Like, uh, I, I don't How? know. Like, my last dog, Yoda is only like a couple of years old, so I might say, okay, well, it's an investment. But the dog I had before him, Ron, who I <laughs> – Ron was my beloved dog. I had him since college. We've been all over the place together. I loved Ron. Well, he was starting to get in poor health, and like near the end, if it would have been like, yeah, five hundred dollars will prolong his life for another year, I'd be like, huh, all right, well, how much does a shovel cost? <laughs> like, uh, Rick, Rick punched him in the face until he died. Uh, yeah. No, and I wouldn't. You know, I, I just I, I see very practically about stuff like that. So go ahead yeah. with your story. Well, I, not really a story. I just he he was asking me about dog insurance, and I I think after you have kids, that sort of changes some of that. Maybe before kids, your maybe mind. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, maybe that's what it, that I have get that I've got kids, and I'm like, oh, well, there's another dog mouth to feed. Yeah, because I have two dogs that are ages like seven and ten. One of them, and they're, they're a great lesson in in metabolism, because one of them eats the the cruddiest, cheapest dog food, and he is like Arnold. Like Schwar- Roy. Yeah, he's like the Arnold Schwarzenegger of beagles. He's like like no body fat, muscles can j- leap up onto like the the counter mm. the kitchen countertop with a single bound. He is like. He's, like the Ryan Barker of dogs. Yeah, <laughs> it's a reference. It's your brother-in-law. Then, and he's and he's always he is very, he works out very hot. Very uh, really good. Side guy. note: I sent you a picture of me in my underwear, and you thought I it thought was, it was Barker. I'm so oh, that made me so happy. Um, oh, there's some context there. I don't. Well, by the way, everyone. <laughs> I sent you a picture of me in my underwear, and we just passed over that. Like, that's a totally normal thing. <laughs> normal. That's <not> normal. <laughs> in fact, I'm going to put that picture on the Facebook page. No. So I can see you in your underwear. Dang it. Don't do that. Um, <laughs> that's so, really funny. You said that, and we were both just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. really true. Yeah. No, so, like. The other dog is the 10-year-old. His name is is Rudy. He's a beagle. He probably weighs 75 pounds. He has fat he tumors. looks like a sausage. He has fat tumors growing on his fat tumors. He can barely fit out the the doggy door and he eats like science re- diet refrigerated <laughs> raw like food no wheat nothing it's just you know and he sits all the time so i lo- and rudy was like my first child so if so if rudy that i almost killed from eating chewing tobacco <laughs> so if rudy uh <laughs> dies or something happens like it would, i would be very sad but i think my threshold on him is probably like a hundred dollars like at this point well, seriously like they get to the end of your life and you're like okay that's why i say like yoda's two you know yoda's two years old you know if you prolong their life yeah you know you can buy another you know five six seven eight nine maybe ten years who knows and i will say like this a dog that's like already one foot in the grave yeah like, all right well here's your thousand dollars and tomorrow's like and he's dead anyways because he's really old. well and, and give you and give people some context i'm not so heartless like when they were when they were puppies i i had to spend probably around a thousand dollars on an exploratory stomach surgery for roger the arnold schwarzenegger dog and they did and they're like, well, we didn't find anything. So it was like a thousand dollars for for nothing. I we spent when Rudy was uh, like six months old. Jackson, who we mentioned in the humans being human story, left him outside in the. By the way, stop. Pause. Uh, I want to tell a Jackson watching the dog story. Yeah, okay? this is Ron, right? 
yes. Jackson hates animals. And when we lived in Abilene, after I graduated from college, my uh, Anna, my now wife, she got a job in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which is like six hours away. So one month, once a week or once a month, I drive up there. Once a month, she drive down to Texas. Well, it was my weekend to go up there. And I was like, hey, Jackson, can you save me $20 from boarding the dog and come by and just like let the dog out? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah, no problem. And he completely he forgot. He came by one time the entire week. And there was like there was like someone uh, like dumped over a 10 gallon jug of dog pee in the living room. And it, and it was all hot in the summertime. And I was like, what did you do? He's like, oh, man, I just totally forgot. He's the worst dog sitter that ever lived, by the way. Well, remember his dog growing up, Frisky, laid outside. I didn't even know he had a dog ha- yeah. until like uh, 10 years into the friendship. And I was like, you have a dog? He's like. Yeah, I hate it, man. <laughs> it's that outside, and I've never seen this dog in my whole life. Well, so the the dog Frisky was very old, and it had like skin flaps, like these like skin tags hanging off of it. It was a cocker spaniel, and I'll never forget. I was I was at Jackson's house when his dad came in and opened the thing, and he was like, "Hey, uh, Frisky's dead," and Jackson goes, "Okay." <laughs> and then we just like continued on with what we were doing. Like I was more sad. He just wants to kill them and eat them. He doesn't have any desire yeah. to love and hug them. So, so all that to say, I've spent many thousands of dollars on these dogs so far. So it's like you said, like at this point, like I, it's more of a compassionate thing. Like I'm not going to put the fat one who has all these tumors that last time I had him checked, they were, they were benign, but if they are malignant now, I'm not, he, he's happy. He, he's eating good. He sleeps good. He's all that. So good. that's how you're going to frame it. You're going to frame your frugality on like, Oh, well I just want him to have a high quality of life. Exactly. Like, oh, you know, all these medical treatments. Okay. That, right. That's how you, how you sell it to yourself. Right. That's how you sell I'm it not going to put mine I'm, is that I'm cheap. Mine well, is that I have three real humans that depend on my money to eat food Four, yeah. if you count me, I guess. So like, uh, you know, I've got a better place right. to put my research. Well, I just I'm not going to put put good old Rudy through ke- like months of chemotherapy for like Can six they do more chemotherapy months. Chemotherapy for dogs. Yes. Is that a thing? Yes. Okay. By the way, I hate going to the vet's office because it seems like the vet's office is like the uh, tire and lube place. There's always going to be something that they find. Like, right. Oh, by the way, we got to you know. It's always two hundred dollars. Got to got to got to check the uh, got to change the air filter and uh, rotate the tires and uh. You know, transmission fluid flush. That's what I had yesterday. Two hundred dollars. Take my car for an oil change. Yeah. It's always like you can't go to the vet and like, hey, I just need uh, his heartworm prevention. And they're like, oh well, you know, we're gonna do tests for internal parasites and yep. all this stuff. It's always yeah. like it's always something with this. Well, and I always feel it's like a scam. I always I feel, feel like it's a total scam. And I always feel judged, like, oh, you you didn't bring him in for. Oh, his- for his year long. This could be the longest intro segment ever. I always feel super judged at the vet's <laughs> office because they tell me all these things like, oh, you oh didn't... we can trim his nails, we can do this, we can do that. And I'm always like, no, 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 that's it's good. He's a dog. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to do any of those things. I'm not going to spend all that money. He's a, he's a well, freaking animal. It's not a person. We also... And they always like give me the, the, corner, the squinty eye like, huh, yeah. you're not a real animal lover, are you? Yeah. Well, then, and then, yeah. and lastly... Roger is our do- one of our dog's names. So the, the but dog, yeah. but you never you never use the dog's last name except at the vet. So when they're <laughs> so, so, so they're always like Roger Rogers, and they look at you like really you did that <laughs> you did that too. And I'm like look, no one ever says Roger Rogers like at home. They're like ju- they're judging you that they, you gave him a bad name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, speaking of a pet dog uh, dying talk. Would you like, like, uh, we had a dog growing up named Bill and he was like, had impressive longevity. He was like 18 when he died. 
Do you know the story how he died or when he died? Didn't he like he pooped on the carpet just laying there oh, and then my. just turned around yeah, and Yeah, this ate dog it. would just lay in the same spot and just go to the bathroom wherever he was laying. It was a really bad last couple of years. But uh he died the night before I took my SATs. Oh my gosh. And this was like this dog had been around. I'd never known life without this dog. It was very sad and I was like, "Oh, now I got to think about math and, and verbal science. and all these things and stuff and my poor dog is dead." And Bill's face was like over you, just like you can do it, Stalking. Rick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, oh, we have derailed. Mercy. All right, let's get to okay. It's two year anniversary show. It's a big deal. We we reached out. Happy anniversary, Mark. By yeah, the way. you too. We we uh, indirectly reached out to the the best football player in the NFL as voted on. Oh, yeah, we do need to tell the story. So yeah. quickly, I I. Uh, there's a guy that played at ACU named Danielle Manning who was drafted by the Bears, played there for five years, played for the Texans for four years, and we he was in Fresno with us. And so uh, we got to talking, and he, uh, somehow the podcast came up. And I, I know you texted me when I was sitting there yeah, with I was Danielle. Watch, I was watching Hard Knocks. Yeah. And they're talking, you know, they're doing a thing about, you know, uh, if you it's a show, you know, a mini series about preseason football. They follow one team around. Well, they're following the Texans. Yeah. And JJ Watt is like the best player in the NFL by far, I think. Uh, and he was. And, he, and he's real big Texans. on sleep and, and nutrition and stuff. Uh, yeah, they were talking about how he's counseling other players. He's like, yeah, dude, like I go to sleep at like eight thirty at night. Like I found out pretty early on that it's about it's all about what you sleep and yeah. what you eat. And I, you know, I sleep ten hours a day to get you know a rough rest. And I was like, man. And it's like one o'clock in the morning. Why well, text Mark? thinking his phone's going to be off and he'll get it when he wakes up. And I was like, we need to try to have J.J. Watt on, LOL. And Mark texts back with, I'm sitting here with Danielle, and I know who Danielle is. He's like, and he's like super good friends with J.J. I think we can get this done. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. So, so I, told, I told Danielle about it, and he was like, no. He was like, that, we can do that. Like, that's no problem. So I texted him. I texted Danielle. Like the, the, the just week, one more time. The week after, I was like, "Hey, I'm not going to keep bugging you about this. Here's the details. Here's all the stuff." And he actually he wrote me back and was like, "Hey, I talked to him. He's just he can't do it, but you know, thanks for asking, kind of deal." And I was like, "Man, yeah. the fact that he even asked, so we were close. Um, awesome. So we were really close. We joke a lot about having Hulk Hogan on and having yeah. uh, Shaq have Shaq, but like we almost had, almost him. had JJ. Um, so Jason side prize is, J- is uh, Jason side, right? Which is a really like uh, it's great to have Jason on. So we're gonna make this we're gonna make this a quick intro. Go to simplyhumanlifestyle.com. How about that? There you go. Um, and and uh, click, you'll hear more in the interview about Jason. Yeah, it's really super super exciting. And you can find out all you want to know about by going to simplyhumanlifestyle.com and clicking on the alt shift banner that's on the intro. There you go. So we talked to Jason about when and what our ancestors ate, optimal foraging strategy, mitochondrial inefficiency, and of course the alt shift book. Here's Jason. Such an honor for Jason Seib, uh, this is, to be on the two-year anniversary show where we always get... I think our one-year anniversary, Rick, was was Jimmy Moore. Why did you say it like Yoda? Such an honor, <laughs> this, for Jason Seib. <laughs> is. I know, that was kind of weird. Jason do Seib. Do not. There is no try. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Jason. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. This is a huge honor. The, <laughs> you guys are two years old, and... Uh, 
and still, uh, st- still, the theme feels like you're uh, 14. Right. Well, I, I think I think you know we're still in diapers. I think by the time we get to four or five years old, we'll stop with all the pants pooping. No, nope, uh, you're not ever going to stop. I've known you, Mark, for 25 years, and you've never stopped for one second of your entire life. It's going to be sophomoric around here for the whole time, and that's why we tune in. Yeah, right. Right. That's why we tune. Some people tune in. That's why uh, several others have tuned out. Um, so. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. So a lot of my listeners are your listeners, um, and I think that also works. Uh, vice versa. Vice versa. I think is what they say. Well done. Um, and so a lot of this is going to be uh, new, but maybe there's some that don't know about the Alt Shift book, and really that's what I, we wanted to have you on to talk about. And I can talk. I, I guess I really haven't talked about my experience i talked about it briefly on the last show um but we can just dive in and so let's just let's just kind of start um from from what i understand i've read the book and so just sort of let's let's take this from a very high altitude and sort of start to zero in so the the idea that our ancestors ate like the same thing every day is you know, okay, is there science backing that up? I, you know, who knows what the science is, but that's a pretty reasonable theory. Hypothesis, I would think. Yeah, and so the the fact that when I'm explaining it to people, it's like you know, our hunter gatherer ancestors might have killed an animal, and when when you have killed an animal, you're not you're not out expending and wasting energy looking for a salad to go with your steak. You're just eating the animal. So your diet is going to be very high in protein, high in carbs. And then when that animal runs out, now we're out foraging. We're out looking for things. We're eating you higher. You said high in protein. You meant high, uh, high in protein, high in fat. You said carbs. Oh, right, right, right. Sorry. Yeah, thank high you. High in protein, high in fat. Yes, thank you. The then when the animal is gone, you know, theoretically, you're out looking, foraging, much more starch, uh, much more you know, good quality carbs. Obviously, there weren't Oreos back then hanging roots from trees. And, you know, roots yeah. and veggie, vegetables and you know, limited fruits and stuff like that. So yeah. that is that is that sort of the premise? And then how did you come up with it? Well, that's a premise. Yeah, there's actually multiple questions that kind of bugged me over the course of my career. That, uh, and that's one of them. It's it's one of uh, of three or four that were all very, very important and, and integral to how we came to that. But like the point that you just made, uh, I actually used to say, I had this example, you know, I'd be showing in my, in my seminar, I'd be uh, drawing out the biochemistry of uh, fat loss. And I'd be talking about how, you know, body spends a ton of energy trying to keep glucose within a very tight range and, and, uh, and, and showing how, how much we tend to live, uh, you know, in that sort of insulinogenic uh, area and then I would say, you know, below this line, we could have, you know, as hunter gatherers, we could have spent a ton of time there. And I would make this joke about how, you know, I'd point at somebody in the front row and go, let's say, you know, this guy brings down a hippo, and we're all a tribe. Basically, you know, we move the whole camp to the hippo, and then nobody's going, um, you know, what's the vegetable and wine pairing with hippo? Right. You know, we just <laughs> we just eat the hippo until it's gone. And the reason why is because we're all operating under optimum foraging strategy. We're all out there, uh, you know, our, our, everybody's job, except the very, very young and the very, very old, everybody's job is to gather food. That's, that, that is our career. Everybody get up, we go out, we hunt and gather. So you've got a ton of food available, something like a hippopotamus. Uh, you would, um, it, it, the next couple of days are like a vacation. You can sit around with your loved ones and tell stories and have a great time and just eat this hippopotamus. So yeah, you're only eating protein and fat. And then the hippo goes away 
and uh, maybe somebody finds a big cache of tubers or a specific type of fruit becomes ripe, like a certain species of berry or a, uh, or, you know, uh, bananas or something like that. And you can move the whole camp to those and eat predominantly those maybe for days on end and, or until you just can't stand it anymore. And this, this optimum foraging strategy means that you don't pass up perfectly good calories except in very uh, very rare cases, but you don't pass up uh, perfectly good calories in order to expend more calories just to get a, a different calorie source. But I would say that, and then it would bother me later, why then do we prescribe diets on a daily template? Why do we tell people, well, you need to eat this many carbs, fats, proteins, and calories a day, and virtually every diet does that. There are diets that cycle th certain things, like the, uh, like the carb cycling diets, but you know, basically those are diets that, uh, and they've been around for a really long time, but they're diets that, that say that carbs are evil, but we need a little bit of them. So uh, occasionally we're going to load carbs so that we don't get any of the negative effects of not having them entirely. But in reality, they are evil. So um, it, uh, it, it, ends up, it ends up kind of not making sense when you take the way we apply diets on a time scale and looking at how we could have ever even possibly eaten as hunter-gatherers. So yeah, that was part of what, what brought about... Um, Alt shift. Do you want me to go all the way from the beginning? Uh, yeah, and sort of talk about maybe you, one of your initial uh, test subject, uh, the oh, longest yeah. test subject, or E, whatever. Right. So we, yeah, we, um, when it all initially started with, with Cheryl, my wife. So, and I tell the whole story in the very beginning of the book. Um, I had reached this point in my career where I was very, very confident that I could get virtually anybody the results they wanted if they had the diligence to stick it out and do the crazy things that I was constantly going to have to tell them to do. Because what would happen is we would make, make some uh, changes. Normally somebody comes in and they're eating, you know, what they might think is healthy, but it's, you know, usually got a lot of processed carbs and much more standard American than we want them. And uh, I'd make these major changes to their diet and they would work for usually in the beginning for a couple of months. And then those people would stall out and I would have to use my expert, uh, my expert experience and look at this person and figure out what the next change needed to be to keep things moving. And then I would make a change and that would work for someplace like two to eight weeks. And then they would start to stall out again. And then you'd make another change. And we could do this indefinitely for most people. And they would get, end up getting, um, you know, the results they wanted if they had the mental fortitude to stick it out. And, you know, the constant change is just crazy. But this isn't duplicatable. This isn't something that I could I could uh, tell the world. So I had reached a point where I said I I'm never you know I'll never write a a diet book. I know I'll never write a diet book. I was just sure of it because, um, well you know the three of us could put our heads together and before this podcast was over we could probably write you know three or four uh, diets maybe more that would get people results for something like two to eight weeks and then those people would all fail. And it wouldn't make any difference. We would have a, a diet as good as every diet in, in the bookstore because it doesn't matter. If you can get somebody results for four weeks, you'll be four generations of money into their friends. <laughs> you know, they'll, they'll tell a friend who will tell a friend who will tell a friend. By the time the first person fails, um, they, you know, nobody, you'll, you'll be way too far down the line for anybody to even notice. And the, the amazing thing about the fitness nutrition industry is when that person fails, they will blame themselves anyway. Um, so I, we, we could have been scot-free just filling our, our coffers. So 
Sounds good. All right. Sign me up. Yeah, yeah right. So I, I couldn't allow myself to do that. I just, I have these pe- pesky ethics. And um, I, I just didn't ever think I would write a diet because everything that I knew about how to create results required all of these tweaks. Well, my wife, Cheryl, uh, uh, she had three, we had three kids. She did all the work, but we had three, three girls. In you, three you did some, you did some of the work. I mean, I did, I did none of the work in the birthing. Okay, I, did, right. I did at that point. I did most, most of the trying not to faint. <laughs> so I took care of that. So, uh, you know, which I feel like it was, that was valiant of me to handle that part because not faint, trying not to faint is hard work. Quickly, so, a side note here. I, I think after watching my wife birth our oldest, no. I, I sort of had this idea that I think all men should have to be like whipped with like a whip with shards of bone and glass while their wife is going through labor just to kind of make it sort of even. I have you know? an idea, Mark. You should shut up about stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, let's let's go ahead and do some not talking. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> about, <laughs> about uh, we we don't say that or, or don't and Mark's going to run out and start manufacturing that whip and selling it to women now. Yeah, that's how he's going to make fill <laughs> the, his coffers. The end of all mankind. So, yeah, right. So uh, you don't you don't have to be a woman know, to know what kind of of ravages happen to a body when you have three three kids in three years and seven months. So um, Cheryl's you know she was in a in sort of a tough position with her metabolism and her health and the amount of uh, body fat she was carrying. And it was a really long time before she could get into the gym and, and she was eating, you know, really good eating, eating solid paleo, but she was eating perfect paleo in her before pictures on the, on the alt shift site. And she was a size 18. So, you know, um, I think a lot of people make the mistake of believing that paleo is inherently a fat loss diet. And it, it turns out to be a fat loss diet for a lot of, a lot of people, but I certainly not even the majority, uh, lose all of the weight that they've got to lose on, on paleo. It's, it's more of a, of a healthy diet, get you healthy. And for, for a lot of people, that's going to mean you're going to lose some fat. So that's kind of where she was. I want to revisit that here in just a second, Jason. Don't, don't, but when you're done with this, don't let me forget. We want to talk about what you just talked about. That's huge. Go ahead. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd love to talk about that. That's uh, that, that is a huge misnomer. And I think that as soon as you say it out loud, everybody goes, Oh my God, that's totally true. (laughs) Why didn't I think of that? Absolutely. But anyways, I don't want to get you off track. So anyways, so we started tweaking with Cheryl's diet and it, it, you know, we worked on it for a good year, a little over a year. And I was doing the same thing that I always did. I was just making these little tweaks and I was getting her some progress and then she'd stall out and I'd make some more tweaks and she'd get a little bit more progress. And so here again, I'm using my uh, expert knowledge to do something that I can't possibly teach anybody to do. And, you know, my trainers are only so good at it. They just don't have the years of experience and it takes a really long time and it's almost to some degree becomes intuitive. And it's just the whole thing was stupid. It was like, yeah, great. I can get, get these results for somebody that's standing right in front of me and I can write books on all the little things that I do. But the bottom line is, is it's really difficult to put all these pieces together in the right order and know what to change when. And I started letting some of these questions really bother me. And one of them was that question we just brought up. Why is it that uh, we, we prescribe diets on a daily template when we never could have eaten that way? And then I started thinking about another one that's bothered me for literally uh, at least a decade. Why is it that any shift to any new diet gets you results? How come the three of us right now could all go vegan? And if long, as long as we didn't stay, stick out the veganism long enough to get the deleterious effects from the foods and the nutrients that we're not getting, it would actually probably even be good for us. If we went vegan, is, uh, vegan for you know, eight, you know, strict veganism, not even vegetarian, for 
you know, a week, week and a half, two weeks, maybe even, we would probably lose some fat and maybe even get some, some uh, better metabolic flexibility. And then we'd probably start to, those, those effects was, would start to deteriorate. But as long as you make a big enough change, you know, that's why low fat diets, you can find, you can find tons of data showing low fat diets producing weight loss. It's super simple to find that. It's not a problem at all. Right. And virtually any change, you take people on a standard American diet and you shift them to virtually any change that's big enough and you get this, what I imagine boils down to mitochondrial inefficiency and uh, a body that runs inefficient tends to burn fat and, until it adapts. And so, you know, that was the, another one of the problems. Why is it that anything we apply to somebody, they so quickly adapt to? So we've got all these questions stacking up. And as I let them bother me, I started trying to find the best possible ways to apply them to Cheryl over a long term in ways that wouldn't make it so we'd have to continuously change things. So uh, the end result was what we ended up calling alt shift. And when we hit that mark and haven't made a single change since, the floodgates broke open. Now we're talking about somebody that was already in the gym, already busting her butt, already living this healthy lifestyle, already eating paleo and already tweaking it for fat loss. And even after that, after all, you know, cause obviously the results are always the most astonishing when somebody starts something completely fresh, but we couldn't even have said that she was completely fresh. Even after all that, we applied what alt shift is uh, today to her and it was six weeks and she lost five inches in her waist. Interestingly. Whoa. Interestingly, she only lost six pounds on the scale, which to me is probably the most exciting part of all of it because um, it's, a hard, it's a hard thing for, you know, for people that don't understand these concepts to get their head around. But if I can take uh, five inches off of somebody's waist but only have their weight go down by six pounds, we mean, what that means is we very, very strongly preserved muscle mass and lean body mass. And what she lost was body fat. And seeing as how nobody should be on a weight loss diet, we should be on all be on fat loss diets, then, uh, you know, I, I would call this diet a bigger success than anything I personally have ever, ever seen or work with, worked with. And that's, so a great, gotta, that's a great point real quickly is we get that a lot. Like, you know, I've been doing this for X number of weeks or days and I haven't lost any weight. I haven't lost any weight. My scale is still the same. What we try to tell people, and if you're listening and you're struggling with this, don't pay attention to this stupid gravitational number that appears on the scale when you step on it. And I'll tell you a good example of why. Four years ago, I was at my absolute lowest weight of my entire adult life, 172 pounds. My waist had dropped to 34 inches. Here right now I'm talking to you. I'm closer to around 190. But guess what? My waist is probably about a half an inch smaller than it was then. So I'm 16-ish pounds, 17, 18 pounds heavier now than I was four years ago. But my waist is a little bit smaller. That means that <clears> – <throat> excuse me. That means that you know I'm – putting on more muscle mass. I'm retaining more muscle mass. So it's not about the number on the scale. It's about how you look, feel, and perform. And that's a big, big, big deal that, that, that you just hit on that I want to encourage people about right now. Yeah, we take that one pr apart pretty well in the book, but I, I initially tackled it in my first book, The Paleo Coach, when uh, I posted pictures of my client, uh, Deb Hunter, um, at, uh, at a size 6 and a size 12, both at 155 pounds. And uh, Tim Ferriss actually got a hold of those pictures and blasted them out to his uh, to his Twitter following and ended up crashing the Everyday Paleo server because people will say muscle weighs more than fat and they'll say it ad nauseum and then you show them a picture like that and they go, oh my God, muscle weighs more than fat. <laughs> 
Yeah. And it, it's like nobody's ever not heard that, but then yet you put out a picture like that and it crashes a server. There have also been so, uh, several people, uh, online coaches and others in that er- that realm who have used that picture as their own, which is pretty funny. Oh, God, tons of them. Yeah, <laughs> if you, could, you just look up, if you do a search on that picture, you just find it everywhere. Yeah. So many people trying to claim that it was theirs. But um, so the... The, the, the general concept of the whole weight thing is, is, you know, people are saying things, um, or people have said things like, you know, my, uh, uh, when, when do you expect to see weight loss? And, you know, cause there's other people talking about how many inches they've lost on alt shift. And, and in my opinion, you really haven't measured anything until you've done circumference measurements. If you just get on a scale, I mean, a, a few different people in our test group, which we started right after we saw all those results with Cheryl, a few different people had uh, situations. You know, I was, I was weighing and measuring everybody every, every time, every time we cycled through the diet and it's an eight day cycle. So every time they got through, I was measuring them, which I do not encourage anybody else to do, but obviously I was experimenting. And, um, I got, uh, we, we had, uh, at, at least three different occasions where people came in and their weight had gone up, uh, a pound or two while the, uh, all their measurements still went down that week. That, so, that's an, that's an important one because if you're just looking at weight and that scenario happens, which is a really good thing. If all you're looking at is weight, the, the reaction is to go, Oh crud, I'm failing. And then you just like, you just. Yeah. Go well, back yeah, that's to what, what I said doing. in the book too. I yeah. was like, "What if I told you I had a diet that could take, uh, take take six pounds off of, or five, uh, yeah, six pounds off you in six weeks?" You'd be like, "So I can do that easy. Anybody right. can get six pounds off in six weeks. They're probably going to gain it right back if they do some crazy method, but that's nothing." And then I go, "Well, what if we took five pounds or five inches off your waist in six weeks?" And you're like, "Oh my God! Now we're talking. Right. That's big yeah. business." Okay, but what if I told you that was the same person? Okay, didn't mean to fry your brain out there, yeah. but that's the truth, you know. And so, it's it's really important that we understand the difference in that, you know. Are you trying Are you trying to get better looking, or, you know, are you assuming that every time you go out on a blind date, somebody's going to show up with a scale and weigh you before they tell you if you're attractive or not, you know? <laughs> so, I, I want to uh, talk more, Jason, about how you hit on something a minute ago, and I kind of bookmarked it for a second. There are lots of people, and that's probably Mark. I, I think you'd agree with me. That's probably our most received question via email and via the Facebook site and all this and that is that people, especially women saying that, Hey, I've been eating the way you've been advocating for six weeks, for nine weeks, you know, a long enough period where it's a a large enough sample size where you would think they would start seeing results and they're seeing nothing. And they say, yeah, I'm sleeping better. I, you know, I feel a little bit better. You know, I have more energy. That's great. However, my waist is not getting any smaller. I'm not seeing any progress from that aspect of it. And that's something that, that, I have also struggled with on this, uh, you know, eating this way as well, you know, not eating the way you're talking about, not alt shift. I haven't tried that yet, but you know, the simple human way of eating is that I haven't necessarily seen the results I want. And I feel like I've, you know, I don't know if I'm being too picky or if, you know, but I feel I've got, you know, some fat around my middle, some, you know, some stomach fat, some belly fat, some, you know, love handles that I would like to see disappear. And it's frustrating when you're like, okay, well, all these things, you know, Jason and Mark and all these, you know, Vinny Tortorch and all these people say this is the way you should eat to be healthy and you need to lose weight or lose fat, but it's not really working for me. So there is, you know, if you're one of those people that hasn't seen results, this seems like this would be something really, really, really good for you to, to look into. 
Yeah, I, I I talked about this on a Periscope the other day. I told I, I mentioned you know paleo is not really a fat loss diet. It's a it's a get healthy diet. It's I mean, some people lose fat on it, but um, you know Chris Cresser brought it up first when he said, "Hey, have you not gotten the results that you read about in the paleo brochure?" You know, you see all these people with these amazing results that, but those are the testimonials that are getting turned in. Those are, you know, like, did you and your friend and everybody else around you that do paleo out of all the people that you've known that done it have done it? Who's lost, lost fat. So when somebody says, um, uh, okay, I, you know, I've been doing this six weeks. I'm not losing fat. My response is, okay, now you've done what you need to do to give your body back what it needs to be healthy. Now it's probably time, depending on how unhealthy you were, now it's probably time for you to actually start doing something for fat loss. So paleo is a very great place to start. And, and I mean, you can, you can start it with, with the whole fat loss stuff too when you do something like Alt-Shift. But if somebody is coming from this place where they are hugely metabolically broken, they've got uh, you know adrenal fatigue or the edges of it, probably a slow thyroid, lots and lots of yo-yo dieting in their past, um, you know, I, I would still take something like alt shift and throw it at them and expect them to be perfectly fine. But prior to inventing this diet, my answer was always, look, we need to get you doing totally solid paleo. If you guys go yeah. back to the paleo coach, you'll see that I wrote that book out, laid everything out exactly what you needed to do. And then I said specifically, after all of this is done, here's how you tweak the knobs and dials for the fat loss. And I called that section tweaking the knobs and dials. And it was literally about – Look, you are you are done with everything you need to get healthy. Now you can start doing some of this stuff that will allow for the fat loss that you may not have gotten just by getting healthier. So yeah, it's it's a it's an important component uh, of the of the whole big picture. There's the, the the paleo community, in my opinion, and I still love what paleo was meant to be. I don't love what it became, but I love what it was meant to be. I love paleo was the question, uh, in a nutshell, paleo is the question, what does it take to build a healthy human? And, uh, now it has become, uh, how can we make cupcakes with the ingredients that we probably ate when we were hunter gatherers? And so, um, it, you know, it, it's, it's just, it's really disgusting. Every yeah. couple of, uh, couple of days, it seems like another cookbook shows up in my mailbox and somebody wants me to promote it. And it's just full of garbage, uh, you know, <laughs> literally just donuts and cupcakes and all this. And it's, and they're inevitably mm. written by people that, that aren't healthy. And, yeah. um, and, and the idea is nobody's really talking about fat loss. Nobody anywhere around paleo is really talking about fat loss. People are turning in testimonials and going, hey, look at me. Look what happened to me. But everybody else really isn't saying, go do paleo and lose X amount of weight like they do in virtually every other kind of diet. And I mean, Rob Wolf has never made those kinds of claims. Mark Sisson has never made those kinds of claims. Those guys don't even talk about fat loss very often. What they're talking about is getting healthy. They're talking about healthy guts. They're talking about disease symptoms alleviating. They're talking about people getting better bone density and more muscle mass. And, and yes, people get mentioned when they, when they lose weight and we show pictures, but nobody is calling paleo straight up. Look at this amazing new fat loss diet called paleo. Have you, I mean, would you guys agree? It's It's a really good point. And the people that I see that are having the most success with paleo, uh, they're all, uh, they're looking at it from a performance based standpoint. They're looking at it, uh, from, you know, a lot of them are CrossFitters, nothing against CrossFitters. I don't, I don't do CrossFit, but they seem to be CrossFit type people. They seem to be people who are really, really active, who are already in like pretty good shape. 
that are looking to prevent other things. I, I, I hear exactly what you're saying with this. Uh, and, and just one thing I want to, I want to get into and uh, let's see, let's check my, our time here. We got about five minutes left and I want to oh, get into it. some of the okay. questions that I had going into it without like, obviously, you know, giving uh, specifics and, and laying it all out here for you. But I, mean, I know one of the questions, two, my th- two questions I had was a, can I continue to have a, have a small eating window? Uh, most, m- most days, four to five hours, some days, eight hours. And then can I, like how, can I work out on the, the days that we have, you know, smaller, you know, how, how are my movement patterns going to be affected? So sort of address those two questions and what you've seen with the people and then I can sort of share my experience. Yeah. Um, yeah, certainly, uh, the, 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 uh, the, the, the two shifts, uh, all shift works in, in, in a, two shifts. One's called the five shift, other one's called the three shift. And there are guidelines for each of those shifts. And we're cycling uh, carbs, fats, and calories. And uh, we're doing it in a fashion where you're never going to starve. You're never, uh, you're never going to, to need to, to pick up a, a form of exercise where the primary intent is to burn calories. Um, you're going to... Um, you, you shouldn't ever be hungry. I mean, there, you're, you're going to have to adapt to one of the two shifts, no matter how you're eating. One of the two is likely going to be quite a bit uh, different for you, but you know, everybody usually just goes through it once or twice and they got their head around it pretty well. Um, as far as, is like intermittent fasting and eating in a smaller window. Yeah, that's not, not a problem at all. It's just, you know, in, in, in the shift, if, as long as you can, you can meet the guidelines that are laid out in the shift, there, it, there aren't really time requirements for that. And then as far as the exercise goes, um, I'm encouraging people to not change their exercise according to the diet and not change the diet according to their exercise. Immediately, people want to try to do specific types of exercise on certain types of days. And I, I have a post coming up on 30K View pretty soon. And, I'm, and after I do that, I'll probably do a... Uh, a periscope about it too. But I mean, the general idea is sometimes you want to sprint when you're uh, carb depleted. And sometimes you want to sprint after you just shoved a bunch of starch down your, your throat. Sometimes you want to, uh, to lift heavy in both of those situations. Sometimes you want to train on an empty stomach. If you're, if your uh, your glucose control will allow you to handle it without getting nauseous. You know, all of these things, all of these variables, we, we didn't, we didn't evolve in a world where tigers only jumped out of the bushes and chased us for our lives right after we had eaten a bunch of carbohydrates. And then right when we barely escaped the tiger, we immediately sat down and ate a baked potato, drank a protein shake. And it's ridiculous. Like it, real life emergencies and real life uh, um, uh, situations that necessitated uh, exertion happened in every different state of fed and not fed and carb loaded and not carb loaded and, and, and various, uh, depending on the time of year and what you've been eating, various fat storage levels, all of that stuff. I mean, I, I, for fat loss, I do not like eating and changing eating patterns based on, on, uh, on meals. In other words, I, I've never done pre, uh, you know, pre-workout uh, nutrition or post-workout nutrition. I've never seen a shred of evidence that said that's helped anybody when it came to fat loss. Mm-hmm. Now, if we're talking about athletes and performance, that's a definitely a different story, but I don't train a lot of athletes and this diet was not written for them anyway. Yeah. And, and it's from, from my perspective, anecdotally, I saw no issues um, with energy levels on either of the shifts. I had no problems maintaining exactly what I was doing as far as when I was eating uh, during the day and 
uh, my workouts. I, I never even was like, man, I'm kind of dragging today. Or it was just, it's, it, you know, and, and it gets, it gets to the point where, you know, on that, on the end of the, of the first shift, you're sort of ready for the next shift. And I yeah. did, I did not, uh, uh, have any sort of, um, restriction on, you know, like on my, on my, three shift i would just sort of go is eat as much as i wanted as far as rice and sweet potatoes and fruit and all that stuff and and had you know i, I think i've said I've, I've lost an inch and a half in 31 days and like six pounds and had no and i, I probably lost more on my waist i'm just not measuring anymore just because i'm sort of i've sort of transitioned into that um, sustainability part of it where i think this is just gonna gonna be what i do and like this weekend i was at like this guy's weekend where we were like you know shooting guns and and uh, competing in different events and stuff and you know i it was the first time since i started that i really had any sort of non-human food and it didn't wreck me uh you know i nice. it's just, i felt fine like after the weekend i looked the same like whereas normally like you know you'd get i, I would get all bloated and not feel, yeah, feel like crap yeah hung over and stuff not feel good <laughs> Uh, you know, like for my workouts or anything, and I had no problems. Uh, you know, the guys in the text thread are all like, "Oh, I feel terrible today," and I was just like, "I'm working out. I feel great." Uh, and I'm right back on. I just started at the five shifts, and I'm going to do that this week. And and I, it's it's business as usual. And I just I think this is the way I'm going to do it indefinitely. So Mark was yeah, it a lot of work to st- Mark was it a lot of work to stay with it through the shifts. Like what kind of adjustment? The, did you yeah, the only the only yeah the only things that I had to do sort of uh, out of the ordinary, so to speak. We went to this one place uh, about 45 minutes away from here where you know it's like a restaurant you have to call ahead and they make one thing and that's the, the there's one appetizer for everybody and one least convenient restaurant of all time yeah so i had i called them and it was like oh can you just not do a dessert can i just have more meat and you know that kind of thing and then like traveling i've traveled and you just have to sort of think ahead and i made my own trail mix on one of the trips and i took some dried fruit on on another one because i was on the the three shift and uh so it's just i mean you just have to think about it about four seconds longer at first and then you just you don't even have to think about it. it's just it becomes well, your we normal. talk a lot mark already about being intentional about your diet so if it's uh, something that you just don't think about and you shove food in your food hole then you're probably not making a good choice unless you're so like well versed in eating healthy for years and years that like it's not a it's not a decision to make anymore so right. if you're doing things and not thinking about it that means you're probably not doing it really well so uh it, it, to say that, oh, you got to think about it for five seconds beforehand, beforehand. Well, think about how important food is to your day and to your, every li- your everyday life. If you're not putting five seconds of thought into what you put in your mouth, then you're doing it wrong. Right. So that, I wanted to get that yeah. out of the way. But Jason, this sounds super, super su- – I'm really excited about this, and I'm going to do this. Uh, it has exploded. Yeah. You, it sounds like it I've all- seen people all over Facebook talking about it. So talk us through how we do this. Like where yeah, do you find your book? It's been insane. You go to altshiftdiet.com. Wait, wait. Uh, how about uh, how about you go to our website, simplyhumanlifestyle.com? Hey, you picked up on my cue, Mark. That's what I was looking oh. for you to do. Oh, I thought you were asking Jason. And on and when you go to simplyhumanlifestyle.com, the main landing page, you can't miss it. The alt shift picture is like the f- top thing. It's taking o- it's taken over like all the stuff look, that I'm I have. I'm gonna look on the website real quick right yeah, now so to see if you're telling the truth. Click on that, and th- I also have something on the Facebook page, which is also on Twitter. I'm gonna put something on Perfect. Instagram, and it'll it'll take you right to it. And so I've got like step one: click the picture. Step yeah, two: you can see Mark's. It, it you can says, see Mark's results on the te- on the website if you just go there. You can see them. But every, I mean, it's I haven't it's told Rick about been, that yet. 
<clears throat> it's been gangbusters explosive. Like we, if, if this, if, if I would have sold one fifth, I'm not, I'm not even kidding. I said this on our own podcast this morning. I don't know when this is going to air, but we recorded one this morning. But, uh, I, I said on our own podcast, if I had sold one fifth of the books that we sold in the last 12 days, cause the diet's only 12 days old, I would be standing here with this much enthusiasm doing, doing cartwheels. I mean, it's, it's been, I, I'll give you an example. The Facebook group is two days younger than the book. And let me just <laughs> open it real quick. The Facebook group is nine days old. And let me just tell you real fast. We currently have 1,087 members. Yeah. Good Facebook God. Group. And it's nine wow. days old. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm really pumped about this. I'm going to, I'm going to read this and I'm going to do this and, uh, and I'll report back to you. I can awesome. be your little kind of experiment yeah. here. So, so Rick, uh, I know Rick's got to go, but, uh, yeah, thanks for, thanks for doing this, Rick. Uh, he's okay. going to, he's going to drop Mark. off the call. I love you, Jason. Goodbye. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Awesome. Well, uh, Jason, I'm going to see you like when this airs, it will be the Monday after the JASA retreat. Um, so I'm sure we're going to have lots of fun, uh, t- time travel talk, man. We had a lot of fun up in Chico, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. Man, that yeah. was a blast. It was sure good to see you. And you're yeah. bringing Jen, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah, we're super excited. Uh, that uh, yeah, you've so. already you've met Jen, but she hasn't met uh, some of the other folks. She hasn't met Sarah and John and all the, everybody else. I'm and I'm really excited for her to get some some movement coaching from uh, from some of the best coaches on, on planet Earth. Um, yeah, some so. of the best pretenders. <laughs> right, we, all, we right. all just we all just fake it really good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we get out there like, wait a second. Yeah, I thought these guys fun. were healthy. We've got like donuts every morning and. Uh, <laughs> make fast yeah. food runs at night but yeah uh, cheryl's gonna be there too and i think she's gonna be you know she's gonna be a bit of a celebrity herself because this you know she's been kind of the poster child yeah. everybody watched her results all along on my facebook yeah and uh and twitter and everything and kind of watched her get these results until we released this diet and then you know now she's just such and she created all the recipes in the book all 70 recipes in the book were made by cheryl and she made them all believe it or not invented them cooked them and photographed them wow. in 20 days. Oh man. And poor Cheryl, yeah. she's like, you're like, Hey, we try this. And she's like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Not realizing like what was going to turn into. And she's like, I don't want to be the, <laughs> the poster child yeah, of no, all this she's stuff. She's loving it. She's this <laughs> the first time we've ever got to work together. And she's oh, like, cool. she feels like she's part of my career. It's pretty cool. Awesome. All right. Well, Jason, I'm gonna let you go. We are out of time. Really appreciate you joining us on the two year anniversary. I'm going to stop the recording, but hang out for just a second. But uh, thanks for being on. All right. Thanks. You're listening to the Simply Human Podcast. Humans being human um, will just be Rick and me, not Rick and I, because I would not say humans being human will just be I. Oh, stop it already. Okay, sorry. More grammar talk. Um, th- there's if there's a sto- anything people love, it's grammar talk. <laughs> there's, there's a story that I heard this morning on the radio that reminded me of this other story, which then will hopefully allow us to tell other stories. Yeah, that's that's a great story too. Following me, okay. So our mutual our mutual friend Jackson, yes, who we who we told the the NASCAR sweatpants story, um, that that guy when he he was single a bachelor for a long time in Dallas, and he's a he's a hunter a hunterman and a fisherman. What why an, out, it, an out, outdoorsman? If it's fisherman, why wouldn't you call it like a I am a deerman? Or like a, I'm a doveman. I feel like maybe you're onto something, Mark. I'm a cowman. I'm making fun of you. Horseman. Yeah. Oh, cowman. Like I hunt cows. <laughs> just go out to the field and just shoot <laughs> arrows at a cow that's not moving. <laughs> you're just like ten feet away, and this cow's like, 
Uh, what are you gonna do? <laughs> I am a. <laughs> He's like, please kill me. <laughs> like, the, my life sucks. Uh, it's gonna happen anyway. Uh. At least let's make a sport out of it. Uh, <laughs> so he left. He, you know, he has because of his uh, hunterman uh, characteristics. He had a bunch of frozen meat, like wild game meat, in his freezer. This is at that. I don't know if you know the story, Rick. This is at his apartment at like six thirty-five and seventy-five when he lived. I drive past that. That's next door to the uh, Benihanas that we mentioned. A okay, couple of humans right, being humans right, ago. right, right. I drive past it all the time, and I think about Jack. Right. Anyway, so uh, he had you know bachelor. You go to his ha- his apartment. It was like one bedroom, one bath. It was it the looked, most bachelor thing. It, of yeah. All time. It looked, there's nothing on the walls. It looked like a dorm room. You know, yeah, there's really pe- pizza boxes laying everywhere, you know, like <laughs> just like his dirty un- un- uh, laundry everywhere. I'm sure there were underwear in- involved in that. Um, and so there was this one weekend that he has, you know, he's got a bunch of raw, like a, like a bunch. His whole freezer is packed with with frozen wild game meat. And he Marcuses. and he goes out of town for like an extended weekend, Memorial Day or something. Well, like come to find out. On like the Thursday, I, don't think I like where this is going. Like the, I've never heard this story. Yeah. On like the Thursday that he left, the power went out in his apartment oh, complex. God. So of course the freezer uh, gets to a point where it's you know completely just you know like that new like whenever the refrigerators are new and you open them up and they're just kind of muggy, you know, and they're yes. just sort of warm. It gets to that state. All of that deer meat thaws, where and then blood. Comes running all down the front of okay, his refrigerator. That is the most disgusting thing I've ever heard. Yeah. And I've heard you tell me literally yeah. a dozen stories of how you've crapped in your pants. Yeah. That's so, the grossest thing I've ever heard in my life. So he comes home. A refrigerator with blood pouring out of the bottom. Basically. God! Yeah. Well, the freezer was on the top. So the, 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 you know, the blood is like pouring down. It's running like a horror down. movie. Oh well, this is, this is the funny part. So Jackson comes home. And this is like in March or something, you know. Maybe it was spring break. I don't know. So Jackson comes home after this long weekend and sees the. I mean, it's all dried and warm by now. He oh, he he he. You know, it obviously smells horrific. He opens the oh. freezer to see what's happening, and there are maggots. God, just okay. You really are. I feel like I'm gonna throw up a little <laughs> bit. Like at, they're I, everywhere. I they're, visually picture. They're this. everywhere. So what is oh so what does Jackson do Jackson gets you know some some windex or something and cleans off like the the door of the refrigerator and in like September and he tells me the story six months later I visit his his apartment and I said man was that just a total B like cleaning out all that stuff and he was like no I haven't I haven't touched it Oh my God! Are you serious? <laughs> so I, I'm like, what? What, what do you mean? Because he just avoided putting food in the. Fr- I just buy fresh food. Right. And I don't freeze anything. So he, you know, <laughs> once the freezer came back on. No, no, no. This is what happened. When he came home, it had it. The the power had come back on, and it had refrozen. But okay. so all the maggots were like frozen. But they were they were there were <laughs> millions oh, of them. So instead of cleaning all that out, he just didn't use his freezer. So, so I walk over there and like, you know, slow the music start, you know, it's sort of this uh, dramatic music as I'm like walking closer to the thing. It's and like I, crime scene tape taped around the freezer. Yeah. <laughs> and I open open the freezer and it's it is how he left it. There are frozen maggots oh, everywhere. It, Looks on the, like Jeffrey Dahmer's freezer. Yeah. Like on the gasket, there's like maggots like on the inside and it's just like this melted, just nasty okay, pause thought. Very quickly. I have a science question for you. 
How do maggots the, get in there? Yes, yes, yes. That's right. the question. Yeah. If the meat is in the freezer sealed up and the meat goes bad, do does the rotting meat generate? Is that where flies and maggots are born out no, of? See, I don't think so. Like somehow, uh, see, that, that was the question I always had. The, the maggots baffled I me. I can see if it's sitting outside right. and it goes rotten. But it's in a then sealed. Then the flies to the flies. Because that's what maggots are, right? Baby flies. Right. Larvae, flies. So maybe. Maybe a fly. Maybe because it was thawed out. Maybe fly, uh, some flies were able to get in like a vent or something. I, I don't know. It, that, that's, hmm. that's always baffled me too. Well, you would think a freezer is completely sealed, sealed and self-contained because you've got cold air in there. Maybe you've got it sealed off from everything. Maybe the door opened. If anything, opened, Punky Brewster taught me: if you climb inside of a refrigerator, you and will shut die. The door, you'll die. You'll die. You will die. Yeah. So that so that leads How me. About that for a so he never. So until he until he moved out of that apartment, he never he never cleaned it up. So that leads to the, to the question: How much did he have to pay that apartment when he moved out? By the I way, no. I don't know. We need it's to like, ask hey, him. you're not getting your deposit back, and well, we're taking ten thousand dollars. Well, for <laughs> for his job, he buy sells, buy sells, buy sells. So he probably was just probably like, here's threw some money money at him. Um, so that he leads- just left a, like a thousand dollar bill, like <laughs> magneted to the freezer <laughs> for your trouble. Yeah, God, um, that is really disgusting. So that leads me to the question: Have have you ever just left something like that, or like either intentionally or unintentionally? Or the other question is, this happened to me the other day. This isn't cleaning, but it's like, you know, like when you like when a spoon or like is in the bottom of the sink and you turn the water on and it hits the spoon just right and just gets you all it wet. It rockets the water back yeah. up in your face. So yes. that that happened to me uh, with some gun cleaner. I got a new shotgun. And so I'm like, I was like, oh, here, I'll get the ball action here. And like directly in my eyeball like i thought i like went running into the bathroom like running into walls and stuff my kids were all screaming like it was awful um so that's disgusting so that so the story i heard this morning was about a guy cleaning out his his this disgusting like trash can his dumpster and he sprayed water in it and like all the dumpster gunk like sprayed out and got all over oh. So, I don't know. Is anything yeah. like that that, like, you know, if you leave potatoes and you forget about potatoes, they'll, like, start rotting and get really nasty. Um, oh, now you've hit on something. I'm trying to remember exactly what it was. Uh, it, I mean, it's just something very – it's not, like, maggot meat freezer story. <laughs> I mean, it's just something very innocuous, but, like – you know, like leaving food in the freezer and you're like, oh, I wonder if I can. Oh, yeah, we've got some of this and open up like, oh, no, no, it's uh, completely dead and rotting. It's been uh, decomposing for months. Uh. Like I've never I'm generally speaking, I'm a pretty clean person. And I've got in my head that if I invest five minutes into cleaning this out now, that's going to save me an hour right. down the line of like having to scrub and clean. But there's one like <clears throat> what's the protocol in your house for toilet brushes? Do you have a single toilet brush in like a little stand next to every toilet or do you have just like one toilet brush you keep like with the cleaning products and you go around and use that on all the toilets? As as our listeners would probably expect, I clean the toilets with the toothbrush that I'm currently using. Shut up. Answer my question. Um, <laughs> we have one. Okay. And it just we, we take I've it back always been a one toilet brush guy until I got married, and that's one of the things that you know. Oh, what, what you use one toilet brush? What, what's what's the matter with you? You're yeah. disgusting. So in our house, we have a toilet brush, a small one, and a little kind of stand next to every single toilet. Well, we're cleaning. Now, out how the many house toilets do you have, Chris? Chris? Well, no one gets that reference. You're continually making references. No one gets. Uh, so uh, 
we're getting the house ready to sell to move to a different part of, of the city that we live in right now. Long story. But um, I, I never use – like that's that never comes to my mind. It's like to look inside the little holder for the toilet brush. Uh, but I looked in the one upstairs like by my kid's bath uh, – in my kid's bathroom and it was like – I can't even describe yeah. it. It was like this thick, dark green Br- sludge oh, green, in there and I was brown. like, oh my yeah. God. So like I pick it's it's on my back porch right now and that's next on my list of stuff to clean. I have to clean that out and I really just I think I'd almost rather just throw it away and buy a new yeah. toilet brush. Well, we, because I can see the concavity of the toilet brush holder. Yeah. That's what's gonna happen. I'm gonna spray water on that thing. Uh, I'm just going to rocket that whatever sludge that is directly uh, back up in my face gosh. and I'm gonna die. Well, it's so quickly and we're almost out of time, but um that reminds me of, of uh, we've got this trash can out in our garage, which is where I also, I spend a lot of time out there because that's like my gym too. That's where I do all my, my shirtless deadlifting right. in your garage and driveway. Well, it's like, it's the trash can that used to be in the bakery. So it's like this big industrial trash what? can with like this big, like, how li- do you have a, whoa, stop, pause. How do you have a trash can that's like literally 30 years old? Well, it's, I mean, it's probably what, I, I didn't say it was the, the original, original trash can. <laughs> okay, 20 years old then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so it's like this big industrial trash can we have, you know, and that's where we put all of the, the poopy diapers because they just stink up, you know, the house. That's well, another great point we should have brought yeah. up with Greg. So they're, like, you've yeah. got to have a plan for throwing away stank diapers. Yeah. So they're all in there. So every time that I, I tr- ch- change that, which is not that often because it's such a big... Trash like a can, five hundred gallon industrial. Yeah, and that, but can. but like the plastic lining of that trash can, like oh. the actual trash can. Every time I have to clean it out, I take it out, like and spray like bleach in it, and because because when you just put a diaper in it and just the the lid cracks just a little and then closes, it sinks up the whole garage for like thirty minutes. Oh yeah, it's, it's the worst. Like a- Rotting corpse. Yeah. Well, it's like a trash can full of crap. <laughs> it's, it's literally what it is. Imagine taking a trash can and just crapping in it so much you fill it all the way full. <laughs> uh, that's what it's about. That's exactly what it's about. All right, humans being human. There it is. Thank you, Mark and Rick, for your disgusting freezer story. It is now time for the Simply Thank Human... Thank Jackson for giving us that story. Yeah. For, we'll tell. It is now time for the Simply Human Tip of the Week, something you can start doing today to become a more healthy human. And this one comes from a book, a very good book, that I have recommended many times. It's called The Paleo Manifesto by John Durant, uh, famously from the Colbert Report, or when he was on The Daily Show, one of those, um, uh, talking about, this is before The Paleo Manifesto, but it, it, it's a quote from his book that uh, is really in line with a lot of a lot of things that, that we always tell people. So here's the quote. When you're lost in the wild, eating a handful of unknown berries or a mysterious mushroom can kill you, but there's nothing you can eat or drink that will dramatically or permanently improve your health. So, like, you could eat, you know, this bad mushroom, you're dead. There's not one thing you could eat that you're like, all right, now I'm cured of AIDS or something. Um, that, ah, weird reference. That was my um, ad lib. That was not part of the book. Back to the quote. <laughs> poisons, yeah. are, poisons are real. The fountain of youth isn't. The same principle applies in the grocery store. What not to eat can be more important than what to eat. The single most important way for many people to quickly improve their health is to subtract unhealthy foods, not to add healthy foods. Eating broccoli does not cancel out devouring three slices of pizza. Top on this list are industrial foods, sugar, vegetable oils, as well as the seed-based crops they're made out of, cereal grains, legumes, etc. Think of these as slow-acting poisons when consumed in large quantities. So I know it, I, I hate that it sounds like 
restrictive. Like, think of what not to do. But in this case, like, it's easier because there's only three things on the list as opposed to thousands and thousands of foods that you can eat. Um, and and also, um, well, what was I going to say? Uh, hmm. You're, little, you're I, I'm, waiting, I'm waiting for you to waiting for you to make well, fun to of me. me. That, that's why, I, like, I understand what you're saying. You don't you 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 hate saying like oh avoid these don't eat these but I like looking at it that way because there's really only like a couple of rules right I, and I hate to call them rules yeah. but hey you don't have to like have this long massive list of oh this and that and this and that. You just hey seed oils sugars and grains and that's that's it yeah I sure remember what I was gonna say that's so all. that the the uh, top book or chapter or whatever in anti fragile the book I always reference by Nassim yes. Taleb you know he, he talks about the greatest medical innovation or or discovery in the last 60 years has been stop smoking like that's done more for people than any any sort of medicine or chemical that we've manufactured in a lab it's just it's the the, the restriction of something or the subtraction of something so the tip of the week is and a lot of you probably already do this but but so it's kind of like a the the, the big global tip is don't eat those three things sugar grains or the the vegetable oils and then sort of underneath that is to think about it as what those things are. It's like kind of a, kind of in the, the analogy that we used, you can't eat something that's going to make you magically live forever, but you can eat one thing that will kill you. So think of it as slow-acting poisons and what those things are actually doing. And we're not saying doing. that if you go and have some sugar or grains or vegetable you're oil right die. now, it's, it's yeah. like akin to eating a deadly mushroom and you're going to kill over dead. Right. But it's the same kind of basic principle. Yeah, yeah. And, so, and over time... If that becomes yeah. your normal, it will have uh, deleterious effects. If that becomes your normal, absolutely. All right. Um, I'm not sure who we have uh, coming up next time. Let me see. A, hum- a person. A person is going to be on the show. Uh, we've got a guy named Aaron Anderson who's coming on. A- uh, Aaron Great Alexander. Name. Sorry. Aaron Great Alexander name. is coming on. He will be on the October 7th show. Oh, yeah. We have a guy named Nate uh, that's from the like a wilderness outdoor school. Um, and so, yeah, so he's going to be on, uh, that'll be, uh, that'll be fun, uh, to have him on. And then, uh, Aaron Alexander, and then we're going to have, um, who did we say, uh, Chris Brannon is probably going to come on the show. He probably doesn't know that. He probably doesn't know that he doesn't know that yet. I haven't texted him about that yet, but I want Chris to be on the show, uh, as a, as a, uh, every, every man, every man show. Your he's been voluntold. Right. Chris, you're going to be on the show. All right. So go to simplyhumanlifestyle.com. That is where you can find everything. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter and Periscope. At Simply Human 52. Still um, haven't gotten around to doing that. I guess I need to do that. You need to do it. Um, the primalprofessional.com are the shoes that's all on the website. If you go to simplyhumanlifestyle.com, click on the store tab. There's t shirts, the reset, the alt shift book that we talk about with Jason today, the garden in a glass by Jonathan Baylor, the, the primal professional shoes, slanker, grass fed meats, all that stuff is right there in one place for you. Um, so uh, there it is. Email the show at simplyhumanlifestyle at gmail.com or simplyhumanrick at gmail.com. And please leave us a review, good or bad. We like the bad ones too, even though Rick doesn't. No, we don't. No, and uses no. the F word. Put that bad review in the hmm, There it is. And if you want to leave a bad review, I can just say that. Wow. I encourage them. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Simple Human Podcast. And remember, basically, you know, we move the whole camp to the hippo and then nobody's going, um, you know, what's the vegetable and wine pairing with hippo? Right. You know, we just... <laughs> 
We just eat the hippo until it's gone. So until next time, enjoy yourself. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.